Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Everyone, welcome back to Middle Class to Millionaires. I am your host, Vince, with my co-host, Christian. And today we have a special guest, friend of mine, Sean Turner, who I've known for, I guess, a couple years now. He is the CEO of Buffer Insurance, which if you've uh, watched the news recently, he's made his his face on there for good reasons, which we'll get into more later. The majority of this podcast will be on him himself and uh, his journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, so anyway, Christian, welcome. How are you, sir? Good, good. How's everybody? I am super duper. Sean, how about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Looking forward to this conversation. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be great for uh, for those listening, and um, really looking forward to you know the wisdom that you you bring to the table. Yeah, so tell us uh, who you are, a little bit about yourself, so that those listening can kind of you know get a feel for who you are as we as we move into the questions that we have lined up. Yeah, so as you said, my name is Sean Turner, and so I was raised in like a small suburb of Dallas Fort Worth called Ulysses. And what's funny is back then it was it was such a small town that and people really overlooked it, kind of looked down on it. They would call it useless. And finally, <laughs> after twenty <laughs> something years, they've rebranded. It's now fabulous. <laughs> but uh, I I would probably describe my upbringing as like very vanilla. And so I uh, went to school, had a few friends, played soccer, had a couple brothers, uh, one of which is my twin, uh, Ryan. And so basically had a built-in best friend growing up and my mom was pretty smart because she always had us when we would enroll in school in different classes. So she would tell the administration to put us in separate classes, which uh, really <laughs> felt kind of sucky at the time because, you know, your best friend's going in a different class. But for us, it was probably pretty good because it required us to socialize and, and experience different things other than, you know, when you got your best friend with you. Uh, you don't really need anything else so it really grew us uh, to become different people and it's interesting because as we grew up over time like ryan's probably one of the hardest workers i know uh, he loves working with his hands he's outside in nature extremely common common sense driven uh, whereas like all the work i do is primarily like relation driven behind a desk on the phone over email like creating ideas and documenting those ideas for our teams and employees. And so uh, I guess you fast forward beyond my childhood. And so I'm 34 today. I've uh, been married for 10 years. I have three kids and we own a company called Buffer Insurance. Awesome. You said 34 today, meaning you're just well, 34. Today's not today my birthday. Actual birthday. Okay. No. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So is your little off topic, but is your, is your twin brother, are y'all identical or fraternal? No, we're actually uh, fraternal. And so he, he doesn't look, he looks like a, a ginger, you know, the gingers get made fun of. But, uh, he, he and I, when okay. we were younger, we looked a lot more alike. And so we would do these things like, uh, you know, when you're younger, people think, oh, you can like think each other's thoughts. And so we'd be like, yeah, sure, of course. And so we'd be like, all right, let, let's prove it to you. And so we'd be at lunch or something like that. We're like, all right, if, if you, whisper a, a, a number one through 10 to Ryan, I can tell you which number uh, you were, you told him. And so someone would do that and he would tap me under the table uh, six times and I'd, I'd wait there, kind of put my hands on my head and say six. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they were blown away all the time, but it was like, 
so so deceitful, you know. <laughs> that's cool. Well, that's a little known fact I did not know about you. My uh, stepmom has a fraternal twin. Awesome, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, what was your childhood like in regard to um, your your family's income status and attitude towards wealth and money? Was it um, a taboo topic? Did y'all talk about it? Did, did your parents, you know, uh, help you learn about that, or what was it like in, in your home? You know, it's funny. Neither of my parents made a lot of money, and uh, when you're growing up, you you think everything's normal, and then as an adult looking back, you're like, man, that was so dysfunctional. <laughs> but they they both worked full time jobs, and uh, they both had some some education. In fact, they actually met at McDonald's. They were both working at McDonald's, and uh, my dad saw my mom was like, I'm gonna marry that girl, and he did. Uh, but they never finished their degrees. And so that was essentially like the mandate that they gave to us was go finish college, go, go to college and graduate, which, I mean, basically led me to going to UT Arlington. Uh, it, it ended up taking me about seven years because I, uh, in the middle of my, I guess is my sophomore year, I ended up joining the military, finally, uh, graduated with a degree in economics, but, um, going back to my parents and just the upbringing, uh, my parents ended up getting divorced. Uh, when I was about 16 or 17. And so basically was able to pay for school with federal grants and military bonuses for signing up and stuff. But, um, when my parents, uh, or when I was born about one years of age, my mom had gotten saved. And so she started taking us to church. We learned about tithing and, you know, just like basic Christian principles. Um, but, over the years, my, my dad, as he saw us tithing, uh, he would make comments like, you know, you're, you're getting brainwashed at church or just other comments that basically made known that he disagreed with how we spent our money or how we handled it. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I thought we were poor because, <laughs> you know, poverty is a mentality. And because my, my father, yeah. uh, I love him to death, but he just has such a fear-based mentality. Uh, and that pours over into how he stewards his finances as well. Despite, I mean, I think we talked about this on our last episode with Jamal. I mean, I feel like this is this is actually becoming a common topic. Successful people grew up in a home where they didn't know what their parents made, and uh, money was not talked about, or if it was, it was not, um, or really not even talked about. Not it just be, kind of a taboo topic, and then. We have all the people, you know, me and Christian and the people we've had on the show have have gone on to be, you know, what we would deem as successful, despite not being able to um, learn properly about money and how to manage money. How did you learn how to manage money? When did your attitude around uh, money, I guess, shift to uh, maybe where it is today? Like you're, you just said you're 34 now. I'm, I'm still learning because uh, learning about personal finances is totally different than business finances. I mean, there's some certain uh, crossover, but even just learning how to uh, manage pay, uh, payroll, cash flow, uh, investments, and, and just assets and debt on the business side uh, is been something I've been learning about recently. But uh, prior to that, I, I think a lot of it has just been incremental knowledge I've been learning over time in and not just knowledge but perspective so um, learning about tithing for example what does tithing look like and then and then actually walking that out and then eventually so, so many people get 
get kind of stuck on tithing. Like, oh, I'm not going to do it because I can't afford to. Oh, I'm not going to do it because whatever, whatever excuse. And so once you start doing it, it's, it's amazing. But then it's just part of your finances. And so it's kind of like when you start a new job and then all of a sudden have insurance coming out of your paycheck. Once it's taken out, it just becomes part of it. You don't miss it anymore. And so uh, I think, I mean, I read a lot of books too. And so I think between reading the books, going to church, and then surrounding myself with other people, you just you pick up things over time that uh, shape you and who you are. And so just having the incremental knowledge over time, uh, you, you end up really having a perspective shift. And I think pairing that perspective shift with just having daily disciplines uh, and having a goal in mind uh, so that you can, uh, your actions on that daily basis lead to that goal uh, are extremely important when it comes to the, just the views of finances. Speaking of being disciplined, you know, um, I follow, uh, I'm just going to sound like a broken record for it. For, for our five listeners who we joke Is about. Is it Ed Milet? Uh, yep, we're talking about Ed. How did I know? <laughs> You just, you know, I love that guy. One day I'm going to meet him. And we're going to be, we're going to be buddies. But Ed has has a morning routine. A lot of these, you know, successful people have this this morning routine that they they kind of stick with. And and I have somewhat of a morning routine. I don't have like this this checklist that that some of these guys do. Like Ed and Christian, I don't I don't know if you still do this, but Ed takes like a cold shower to wake himself up, and he does. He he won't look at his phone for the first thirty minutes when he wakes up. Um, he has these certain things that he follows, like what, at least he says, you know, every single day. And I don't necessarily have that, but I do have somewhat of a routine, more of a loose routine. So what is what does your morning uh, routine look like? Are you early riser? Do you like to wake up early, late? I mean, early is obviously relative. I used to wake up at four. Now I've moved it, moved it back to five because I just can't do four anymore. Slacker. You know what's, what's <laughs> So it's the guy is... that wakes up at five or 5.30. Actually, I yeah. wake up at 4.45. You know what? Oh, I need to wake up at 4:44 now. Vince, <laughs> you you could tell people that you you sleep in or you wake up at 5 5 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, uh, which is probably like 8 a.m. your time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I just won't but, tell them which which time zone I'm in. Yeah. 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 No. So people think all the time that Sean, you were in the army, you were in the infantry for like eight years. Like you must be the most disciplined person. And the reality is like there's certain disciplines I, I got from the military, but uh, it's funny because I love to sleep in. But uh, what I've really come across is that I, I like to stay up late and then sleep in. But my my responsibility level does not allow me to do that. And it, it won't allow me to do that probably till like 65 or 70 when the kids are out of the house, the business is up by itself and stuff. So uh, it's almost out of nested necessity that i i wake up early but i wake up i don't know between 5 30 and, and 6 every day but i do have a few things i always do re- religiously and that's i empty the dishwasher i <laughs> make the bed in the morning so yeah oh yeah and and then i make my my wife and my kids food uh breakfast and so my wife and i were real boring we get the same thing every day two eggs piece of toast and then my kids always have something different but that's that's routine. Every day, every day looks exactly the same. And a lot of people think that's boring, but honestly, it, it just takes out one less decision I have to make about something else. I don't have to think about it. Hey, don't feel bad, man. I have the same breakfast every day. The two yeah, eggs. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, real quick, though, on one of the things you said about how you have the same thing 
uh, every morning. I know this is this is going to sound like kind of a boring topic, but that's actually there's science behind like um, Steve Jobs. He always wore the same black shirt and blue jeans. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same outfit or certain people will even pick out their outfit the night before because you have this thing called decision fatigue. So uh, if you make too many decisions throughout the day, you get to a point at some point in the day where your brain is literally just fatigued from making too many decisions. That's why I typically I typically wear the same thing. My wife hates it. But for me, it's like I know it works. I put it on. It's one less decision I have to make. Maybe I took it too much to heart, but I'm like, okay, these guys are extremely successful. They're doing this. It works for them. I'm going to do it. And I don't know. It just helps me, you know? So I, so I don't, I don't think that's boring. Your life is like an episode of Arthur. Uh, he goes to open up his closet <laughs> doors, just a bunch of yellow sweaters. I don't think the, uh, uh, you would... people know what Arthur is these days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're too old for that. <laughs> Arthur was this show back in the twenties when we were alive. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when you open my, my closet, it's uh, because I'm also colorblind. So when I buy clothes, it's either black or blue because those are just the easiest colors for me to see. So like what I'm wearing right now, you know, like blue long sleeve shirt or I would typically be wearing black. And I make fun of Christian because he normally wears the same black shirt. But today he looks like he's got on a nice sweater there, which is well a little uh, unconventional for him. You just happen to catch me when I'm wearing black shirts. That's the problem. <laughs> I have many different colors. You just, whatever the reason is. I happen to catch him every single time I see his face that he's wearing yeah. a black shirt. There, there is this thing called a washing machine, by the way. What are those? Yeah. Anyway, we'll keep, we'll keep moving. Christian, I'm going to kick it back to you so you can, uh, we can get this ball rolling. Yeah. So at, at what point in life did you know you were an entrepreneur or business owner? Uh, and what specifically happened that led you to that belief? No, yeah, I, I think I've always wanted to own my own business, although I do believe that you can be an entrepreneur and still work for someone else. I think that entrepreneurial mindset is really uh, figuring out and solving ideas, coming up with solutions, and, and you can certainly do that without being a business owner. But I've, I really just specifically wanted to be a business owner, like from my early teenager into early adult. But one of the problems is my mom, she always said, Sean, you can do anything. You can be anything you want and i that statement is like extremely empowering uh but at the same time it's kind of like a bullet exploding without having the barrel you know and so like when a bullet explodes and it doesn't have a barrel it just kind of pops and makes a loud noise but i think when you when you pair that self of uh, that sense of self-assurance that she was empowered, like equipping me with, with more of a specific purpose or a parent with like a vision or belief. I, I think it will just really skyrocket you into the success God wants for you. And so I, I really struggled with like, what type of business would I want to own? I, I don't know. I guess I can do anything, but, uh, and so it kind of led me on this journey. Uh, when I got in the military, I had, I just gotten married and my father-in-law, he owned a business and it was a durable medical equipment company. He spent, I've spent four years there. And while I was there, the healthcare industry just started slowly crumbling. And I learned, I learned something really important about myself working there. And that was, I love to serve people. I love to serve people in so many different, different circumstances. But one of the circumstances I don't like to serve people in is when they're sick. <laughs> and so I took the, the strength finders exam. And empathy is number 34 for me, literally at the bottom. 
And so sick people. That's like Jimmy uh, Evans. You know, Jimmy Evans, his is uh, 34. Mine's, yeah, at, and, mine's at the bottom as well, somewhere down there. Yeah, my wife, it's number two for her. And so that causes a lot Oof. of contention for us if if we're not careful. Honestly, working for that, uh, my father-in-law's company, it was such a roller coaster, uh, so much so that uh, we were having to hold each other's paychecks to let other employees to cash theirs, and we would cash ours later. And it caused a lot of uh, difficulty. And so we got to a point where like, my wife and I were, we're done doing this. I'm gonna go work for someone else. And so I, I went to work for this financial advisor and I, I thought it would basically act as a springboard for me to go into something new. And so I worked there for a year and a half. And what's funny is on vacation, my wife and I hadn't been on vacation and we were married a couple of years. At this point we had uh, two kids, one of them, which was very, very young. And I was like, all right, let's go on vacation. We went to the mountains and you know what? God speaks when you're on vacation. <laughs> There's this uh, Disney movie frozen. Uh, you ever seen this? Like uh, in, in the movie frozen, they say in one of the songs that they sing, uh, it's funny how some distance makes everything seem small. And I really, I heard that. I was like, you know what? That's so true. Like when you're in the weeds of the day to day, it's hard to see the, the future. Sometimes it's hard to see what God's calling you to. And so what's funny, we're on vacation and I felt very strongly that God was telling me, Sean, you need to start this company. And I was like, you're joking, right? Because like several layers to the story, because my father-in-law had this successful company, hugely successful, sold it for millions of dollars, then started another company, lost it all, then brought it back up and then lost it all. It was just like a roller coaster. My wife had made this entanglement with security to say, basically an inner vow, say, I like Sean and I, we, we will never own our own business. And so I knew that about her. And mm. so I was like, God, that's so funny. You have such a such a sense of humor. I was like, if this is you, you need to change my wife's heart. And so I like took it to my wife. I'm like, okay, hey, Lauren, here's, here's an idea. What do you think? And she's like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think we should do that. I was like, oh, God does speak. <laughs> <laughs> that word from God was really what led us to start what we now have is today is buffer insurance. And so that we started that company and we literally had nothing. We didn't have a savings account. We didn't have clients. We didn't have anything really. So with that, like what, what was the biggest obstacle, you know, getting into entrance and launching your company? Was it like capital? Was it uh, knowledge or was it brand? What, 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 what were some of the things that you felt were difficult in the beginning? To get an insurance, you don't really need a lot of capital. I mean, what, what I was trying to get, was just enough to pay our bills. So pay our mortgage, pay all this stuff. And so I felt like I was telling me to start the business in January, three weeks in, like I got the LLC, got a website, got everything started and uh, found out she walked in the office, the home office. I'm on the phone with the prospect. I'm like, Hey, can I call you back? She hands me this thermometer. I'm looking at it. I'm like, Oh, this isn't a thermometer. This is a pregnancy test. And I'm like, there's a oh, line boy. on it. Yeah, is this? Is she, and she sat down on the floor and just immediately started crying. I'm like, inside, I'm I'm trying to process this. I'm like, is she crying because she's not pregnant, or is she crying because she is pregnant? <laughs> Both are possible. <laughs> and so, found out we were pregnant with our third child. So it's like, oh my goodness, like we've got to make this work. And so, uh, really, God was knocking me off my high horse. I thought I was I was very arrogant. I was very prideful about being the income provider for our family so i that was the year that god had humbled me significantly but 
to answer your question, I think the biggest obstacle for us was was really the lack of knowledge. Like I had no idea what I was doing, but I had several people who worked at several different insurance companies who saw I was young, I was, I was hungry. And so anytime I would get a, a prospect interested or something like that, they would ask me a question. I would go ask these guys, they'd give me information I needed, and then I'd go make the sale. And so I think the, the obstacle was really not knowing the industry, not knowing what products and stuff like that, and, and having partners that could team up with me to help me have that success extremely launch this uh, further than I could ever imagine. So uh, education being one of the keys there and getting the education from various sources such as mentors, uh, you know, online free education, stuff like that. Did you attend any uh, conferences or any events or anything like that? You know, I didn't attend any conferences at that time, but uh, I was attending uh, then at Gateway Church and they have uh, something called uh, Gateway Business Leaders or Kingdom Business Leaders. And they had this weekly or I guess is is like a semester type course, and I would meet with other business owners, and we'd go through some curriculum. And so I, I'm a huge proponent of having a mentor, but at certain points in life, it's sometimes hard to find a mentor of someone who has the success that you want in the way in which you want it. And so if you are at that point, I I would just encourage you to uh, listen or read to books. I have a hard time reading books because it, they put me to sleep. But if I can listen to them, and at that point I was yeah. I was driving all the time, so I would I'd put a book on and listen to it. And so I've I've listened to hundreds of books, and those I think were what kind of kept me going. Yeah, that's one of the things that that Christian and I talk about every every single episode is encouraging people to read books. Uh, I just got literally right before we got on this call, I just got done editing the episode with Jamal Miller that'll uh, get posted Tuesday next week. One of the things that we just emphasize to everyone is there's so much free education out there, you know, that there's no excuse not to succeed. There's so many books that you can listen to from, you know, billionaires, millionaires, you know, one of Christian's favorite billionaires is Sam Zell. And he's got a book called uh, Am I Being Too Subtle? Christian's listened to it, I think, five times. Is that right, Christian? Yeah. Fifth time? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm on my third time. Yeah. So, like, this is. Go ahead. Okay. To that note, I mean, so that I think there's some statistics out there that say, um, if you read or listen to a book once, you'll probably retain, I think 10% of the information. And as you continue to mm-hmm. read or listen to it again, it's that number starts to go up. Um, and you may, uh, get some things that you may have missed the first time around. So, you know, third, fourth time, you probably have a, a really good understanding of what's being taught in the book. Yeah, and that that stuff, you know, kind of uh, becomes almost second nature to you. You know, like there's some there's some stuff that Zan, uh, Sam Zell, since I mentioned his name a minute ago, some of the stuff that he talks about in his book that at on the first go around, you know, flew right over my head. Like just, I'm like, okay, sounds good. Don't know what the heck he was saying. And then now I'm on my third time of listening through it, and these things are starting to make more sense to me, and they can almost become. You know, like in the military, anything that we did in boot camp or for y'all, basic training, like you do something over and over and over and it just becomes second nature. I think it, where a lot of people get stuck is they think that, uh, you know, they they try once and it doesn't work. And like, well, screw this. I guess it's not made for me. Or they don't take the time to acquire the knowledge like, like you wanted. Or they're not hungry enough. Like, you know, you, you were in a position where uh, you said you're – 
your business is old as your son, right? So three years, three, four years. Yeah. So you're, you're at a position where like, Hey, this has got to work. And so you're hungry enough to learn what you need to learn, ask the questions that you need to ask to make it work. And you know, it is, it is hard to find a mentor. You know, when I first got started, that was one of the things I was after, but it's just hard. Christian made fun of me a minute ago for talking about Ed Milet so much every episode, like literally every episode, but he's become, you can have mentors from afar, people that you never actually meet, but who can, you know, quote unquote, mentor you um, through any material that they put out there. Ed has a, an amazing podcast that he does weekly. Uh, guys like Andy Frisella, Sean Whalen, Gary V, all these guys I talk about every episode, but these guys, you can essentially almost be mentored by them without actually physically being there. If you will dedicate the time to learn what they're doing and what works for them. And you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just copy what other people are doing that are successful. Like the last episode that we, we recorded or the one before that, Christian made a point to say, you know, there's a reason why uh, every person that we have on recommends a certain book. And if it's recommended multiple times, that means it's obviously working for these people. So it's, it's as simple as, you know, learning what works for other people and just taking that on and, and adjusting it to your business. You know, like you may, you may catch something in Sam Zell's book that works for the in insurance industry that I would never see that may work for real estate. Yeah. And I think for us early on, like when you don't have money, you tend to approach uh, ideas differently than if you do have money. And so it's a little bit more scratchy or scrappy. It's a little bit more uh, resourceful. And so you uh, like in those early days, I didn't have money to spend on advertising. So I was I was looking for referral sources, looking for these things that now now that we're more successful, it's like sometimes we have to remind ourselves to go back to that because we're looking for this magic bullet. Hey, let's just do these ads to generate business or let's do this instead of going back and to how we first started and had success with the business was relational. Uh, and so uh, yeah, I always say when we're broke uh, and and broke is temporary, poor is eternal because it is that that mindset shift. Um, but we all we had to go on when we started our business was uh, God's word. It's like, hey, you're supposed to do this. And there's there's too many stories to recount in this this hour we have together because God has just provided for us all along the way. And in Luke, it talks about uh, it says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey. And it's like we were blessed because of we were our obedience to to what God was telling us to do. That's so good. As you're continuing to grow, continuing to follow his word, what, what was something that your business did that you didn't expect, you know, something you had been praying for, or something that, that looked like it was going a negative direction but turned out positive? One of those one of those ways I could answer that is that I think business has provided purpose that I never expected would be there. And so uh, early on, like even at my father-in-law's company, the people we were hiring were, were literally were on Craigslist looking for people. They were just low-paying jobs. And so um, it I think I had gotten kind of this distaste in my mouth for, for like just hiring and, and just business in general. And but one of the things is every time I'm reminded of like having poor employees or bad, bad employees uh, or poor performing employees, uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that says a prince without subjects has nothing. And it's like, Oh, okay, God, like I, these people, uh, we can, we can multiply our efforts through other people. We just need to get the right people involved. And so I think 
uh, we've gone through this exercise where we have uh, established core values, which are uh, how we act at our best. And we have five, five of those. And then with each of those, we have these three statements that we would call impact statements. Um, and the reason we call it impact statements is because we believe you have a future and that future is worth protecting, that you have an impact to make and we're protecting that impact. And so these impact statements uh, describe what success looks like in the area of health, for example, is one of our um, core values. And so uh, what we do on a quarterly basis is we walk through with each of our employees. We have eight employees now. Uh, and each of those employees will have basically something we call a people analyzer. And this is like a couple questions that they get asked about this employee's performance and their adherence to our core values. And then we'll have this quarterly conversation with our employees each month and so, or each, each quarter. And so we do it based off their hire date. And so it's, it's not like I have to do eight all at one time. It's kind of randomly uh, spread out throughout my schedule. Uh, and so those types of things have instilled purpose into our organization so much more than I ever thought. And uh, the, the media a lot of times will portray businesses and corporations as greedy and evil, but <laughs> they don't have to be. Some of them are. I mean, in fact, we'll get into here in a little bit just about how uh, all the, a lot of these corporations, when they make decisions to uh, pay for employees to go out of state with their abortions uh, and then come back to the office on Monday, that's a probably decision made out of short-term greed. It's cheaper for them to pay for an abortion than it is to pay for maternity leave. And so uh, I, I've, my eyes have been opened as I've been exposed to more businesses, successful businesses, Christian-led businesses, that the work that we're doing is much more than to turn a profit. It's to, uh, to act out our purpose that God's given us. That's good. Uh, something that's important there, as you're building a, um, as you're building a business, you know, you can just have employees and there's a difference between having an employee and having a purpose-driven employee, you know, empowering employees to make decisions under your uh, company and organization. And when they feel like they have a purpose there, not only are they going to help you accomplish your company mission, but they'll stay longer. They'll feel empowered. They'll feel valued. Um, and at the same time, they feel that way they're going to come back and, and help you grow, uh, help your company grow, grow profits. And, you know, that's super important to make sure if you have employees that, that you outline a mission uh, or mission statements, per, uh, values of your company and make sure that every employee understands that and and kind of scale from there. Yeah, no, I think that's so important. I think a lot of times, like what's funny is there's companies like Enron who we all know went uh, uh went under for for lying and integrity was one of their core values uh and here they oh, are no lying Ironic. and so yeah and so i think there's uh people have been turned off by core values in the past because it was like this motivational poster on the wall but it wasn't lived out and so by us having our yeah. performance reviews including adherence to cultural values it makes us all the time thinking and talk in a way that uh that is documented the way we want them to to live and work out and so we even have uh another way to reinforce those cultural values is uh through um like just repetition but then also uh, uh verbal affirmation and so we have this little figurine and it's i found it on amazon i think he was originally like robin a superhero with a cape and i spray painted him blue put a big white shield on his chest and we now call him impact man 
And so he sits on the desk after, in fact, I just got some incredible feedback from one of our employees, Shelly, that one of our employer groups had sent to us saying, hey, all of our employees are just saying how awesome Shelly is. And and they gave out specific examples. And so I, I read that to her. And you know what? She started tearing up in her eyes. And I was like, and wow. I, I did it in a point to where I, I, I read that aloud in front of all of our other employees and said, this is the impact that Shelly's making. And then now I have I have the impact man in, in my hand and I and I set it on her desk for the week. Each of our employees are empowered to also call out how uh, each other are, are working or living out their, their core values that we have for the company. So that reminds me of a book by uh, Patrick Bet David. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's also an insurance uh, PHP. Yeah, value tainment. Yeah. Yeah. So great dude, great business guy. Uh, in his book, uh, Your Next Five Moves, he has a chapter uh, discussing, you know, when when you're building out a company with employees and scaling a company with employees, you know, learning about each employee and how they, uh, like how they accept praise or how they accept, uh, you know, what help learning about their goals, what helps them accelerate because it, it's different for everybody. Some people like to be praised in public and some people like to be praised behind closed doors. And so he really takes time to kind of distinguish the, the things he does with his employees uh, to help not only them grow, but the company grow. And, uh, and even has some tactics for, in a sense, kind of putting on like good pressure, like he basically keeping uh, the employees accountable for, for their performance at the same time. But it's a, for those that have employees, his book is a really good, a really good book to, uh, learn about scaling, you know, when you have employees. Christian, and when I'm done, you can go into the next question. But what I love about what you what you did with Shelly, I, I have this thing, like I'm the biggest crier. When you just explained that you were you, you were telling her these things that this other company said about her, and she started crying, I started tearing up over here. You obviously couldn't see it through the camera, but because I got excited for her that, hey, she's being yeah. seen and she's being validated. I think where a lot of companies and or husbands or friends or spouses have failed is to publicly acknowledge where your employees or your wife or your kids are doing good and saying like, hey, you know, like my wife, for instance, this is something I should do when we get off this call. We just moved here to Tennessee, right? And the past few nights, like she's made dinner every single night. And I haven't had to ask her, like, she's just made it, which has been really great because like, I don't have to worry about it. Like dinner's ready. And so I need to, like, when we get off this call, go encourage her, like, Hey, thanks so much for making dinner. Like it's been, it's been nice to just to have that ready, you know? And I think where we failed is not giving praise and just like maybe saying in our head, like, Oh man, I love that they did that. Well, that's not good enough. Like people need to be seen and they need to be uh, acknowledge. And I think as business owners, it's important to make your employees know that they're seen and to, to encourage them, or that's not the word I'm looking for, but to, to call out the things that they've done so that they know that, okay, I'm, Hey, I'm actually doing, you know, a good job. And like my, my boss sees it. Cause whether in a, in a business, when you have employees and teams and people who you're basically casting vision for, getting them going in the right direction, there's going to be culture that develops, whether it's intentional or unintentional. And so if you're not intentional about it, you're going to start having employees start do certain routines or rhythms or some, some kind of 
uh, social or economic like kind of uh, baseline gets established and so you want to be intentional about how that gets established because if you're not and you let something either fester or grow and you don't like it and you don't say anything it's hard to kind of unravel that and so uh, i remember when I, I first got these core values uh, i felt like again you know, i was in, this time i was in cabo mexico or, uh, cancun mexico and i was like god i need to, i need this before we leave and boom in five seconds he gave me the core values i came back and i was like you know what these are all all of our as i'm assessing our employees and at the time we only had five employees but uh, I'm assessing each one of them and how they uh, match up to these values. I felt like everyone matched up except one person. And I was like, oh my goodness, this guy, that's why I, I ha he, he hasn't been a, a good performing employee and he doesn't match the cultures because he doesn't match up with three of these five. And so long story short, I ended up firing him. <laughs> and it wasn't a surprise to him, but uh, you, you have to be intentional about what type of culture you want your team to have. Yeah, so true. So this one, you know, I, I kind of pre-warned you a little bit about this one before we got on the, the show. I want to try to keep this specific question not too political, but I think it's it's really important to the discussion as a business owner and taking care of your people and doing the things really this what we just talked about, I think perfectly leads into this. So you recently made the news. I mean, I think you're on Fox and a couple other uh, stations. So when Roe versus Wade was overturned this year, uh, there's a lot of companies, like you mentioned earlier, that were offering to pay for abortion expenses for their employees, whether it was in their state or they're offering to pay for them out of state. And you did something that was pretty unconventional. I mean, I, you were probably, I mean, you made the news, so you had to be at the time, the only company that was offering to pay for medical expenses associated with birth. Um, which you, you knew, I, you knew the implications of, of that, that it's a huge expense. You did a thing called people over profit, or you implemented people over profit, which is a book uh, you may not have read by Dale Partridge. It was written, man, probably seven or eight years ago, but in Dale's book, it's essentially, I mean, the short version is what, is what the title says. He's choosing people over profit. So why would you do something like this, knowing that it would be such a huge, huge cost to your company? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We had no idea the impact I was going to make either. And so, uh, in fact, that Roe v. Wade was overturned like at the very end of uh, June. We put it on social media uh, and we normally get like 20 uh, Facebook likes. We got over a million engagements on that single post. I was on Fox and oh, Friends, cow. Newsmax, Daily Wire, Breitbart. And I probably did 75 different interviews in like a three-week period. Like it's, it was insane. And I before that, I had never done an interview in my entire life. And so uh, there's a lot of cool things that have come out of that. But uh, why did we do that? Uh, that's a great question. So uh, one of the axioms that we have here at Buffer is we say all the time, like, be there for the ones you love or be there for the ones counting on you. And when, when Roe v. Wade was overturned and then the, the – media narrative at the time was that these large corporations were paying for their uh, their employees uh, travel expenses to go out of state so let's say you're in texas go out of state to colorado have an abortion come back and they're paying up four thousand dollars i was like there's got to be a better way like these corporations are making it easy for their employees to get rid of their babies and so i was thinking back to when we had zoe our oldest 
we had her uh, eight years ago and uh, we didn't have insurance and so we paid cash just like what you're talking about and then we also i was back to work within 48 hours afterwards and so uh Jeez. yeah it was stressful and so especially when you don't have any money <laughs> it's like so it's just like scraping it by so i was like you know what uh, i was at the time i was learning about how jesus was a risk taker in fact his very first miracle was turning water into wine the risk was these people are going to get drunk and obviously in the bible it says getting drunk is is a sin and getting drunk is not good and so uh, he, he was taking these risks even god in the garden had a risk here's this tree of knowledge good and evil if you eat from it well why do you why didn't he put like fiery swords around it to keep people out you know <laughs> right so every time he took a risk and then it didn't go the way he wanted he had a risk mitigation plan and so in his plan in that example he kicked him out of the garden of eden and then provided a way for us to get back to it and so i was like you know what Rihanna's like when i count this risk of the cost uh, it'd be different if our team was like a bunch of 60 year old men who aren't looking to have babies. But the reality is uh, we have eight employees now and uh, most of them are in their late twenties or looking to have kids. And so I was like, Oh, this could be really expensive. But um, the reality is when you get pregnant, uh, you have at least 10 months there before the baby arrives. And so I was like, we can, that's a runway that we can save up for. And then, Reality is not everyone's going to get pregnant right at the same moment. And so uh, that was what our thought process was. But when we implemented this, uh, our our goal to put it online was even so that we would uh, influence uh, other employers to do the same. And so we, we really wanted to activate other employers to offer the same benefits. And it's been amazing because we've activated so many employers uh, to do these same things and so we're basically paying for the medical expenses associated with the birth we're implementing maternity and paternity leave and then for those families those employees and their families who want to grow their family through adoption we're paying this same amount towards those medical expenses and oh, wow. what's awesome is one of our employees now probably 10 days after we announced this found out that his wife uh, he and his wife were pregnant and so imagine <laughs> them finding out beforehand they'd be stressed out financially now they're like you know what sean's got this buffer's got this like we don't have to stress anymore that's so cool yeah so you talked about early at the, at the very beginning of this podcast how when you when you launched your company it was really to make a difference and you cared about taking uh or you you liked taking care of people i mean what you did i mean i didn't know you did 75 or however many interviews you did i i just thought it was a couple because i only saw like i think two or three of them you know that you might have shared or whatever but uh you really did kind of set the bar you know you're the and i don't mean this in a demeaning way but you're this little insurance company with eight eight employees and you're doing something that as a christian uh, Chris, christian owned business that if there's other big corporations that are have maybe ceos that are also believers like you're kind of setting the bar for them like hey you should probably be doing this too because you make way more money than we do and you can totally afford it whereas we're like trying to figure out how we're going to afford it so you know you're i i love that you're really sticking to your why when you launched your business was to make an impact and here you are three four years later and you're doing something that all you know by society standards may be crazy 
Yeah. But you're you're setting the bar for these other companies to do the same thing and to make a, a crazy impact with their employees. And like your your employee who who you said found out they were pregnant. Can you imagine what that does for them? Like knowing that their their boss is going to take care of them and is going to pay for their birth, you know, and is um actually cares about them doesn't just say it like one of the things i hate about the marine corps was a lot of do as i say not as i do it just rubbed me the wrong way you know like i, I knew that they're saying these things but they're not doing those things so it, it it was nothing to me but here you are saying these things and actually doing these things and that that creates value for you because these employees are gonna be like man i, I want to stay here for the long term like i could see myself retiring here because i know they're going to take care of me and i'm going to have a great career here and that's good for you, you know, like, let's go to the business side. That's good for you because you have low turnover. You create employees who want to be with you for the long run. And you don't have to worry about hiring people or having a gap in whatever that person was doing that left. So, like, even though I know you did it from the heart of wanting to take care of people, it kind of, whoops, it kind of translates over to the business side of like, hey, this is actually good for business too. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it, it's good for business because you're taking yeah. care of people, you're putting people over profit. Well, we, we coach our, our employer clients. So we we do pretty much every single line of insurance you can think of, but a lot of our clients are employers. And so we're talking to them. How do you want to uh, recruit and uh, retain those employees who have the top talent? And so the reality is like what this decision, some people see as political is just us living out our values. And I, I tell people all the time, you can vote at the ballot box, and the midterm elections are coming up and it is extremely important to exercise your right to vote, but you can do something every single day and you can vote with your dollars with companies that align with your values. And that's just as important. And so uh, obviously there's people who don't align with our values and that's fine. They can go shop with insurance agencies or companies that align with their values. And that, that happens. But I think uh, a lot of times people are afraid to put their values out there for the public for, um, for backlash that they might receive. And so even when we were putting this out there was that the employee had designed this little post. She's like, Sean, are you sure you want to let people know we're doing this? I'm like, absolutely. And she was, I mean, she was afraid. And in fact, we had several people call in and, and say the most ugly mean things you could think of uh, to our, our agents. And it's like, man, you know what? Wow. Uh, but you know what? For every one person who did that, there was at least a thousand people who reached out to either. I mean, I was getting letters from little old ladies in South Dakota and uh, <laughs> just all over the place. We had people from Portugal, Canada, Spain, Mexico, all over the U.S. reaching out to us. We had uh, and what's crazy about the news, like it getting out there is that at that time, it's kind of like uh, being a Christian is like being a surfer. And so the surfers are waiting for that wave. And they're kind of just waiting there. It's like, oh, they see the wave, then they, they go, they start swimming, and they ride that wave. And so we've been riding this wave that's been amazing. But it's also all this media attention has uh, exposed gaps in our own servicing, uh, in our own processes. I, I say that God can't bless chaos. In fact, when you look at the uh, foundation in Genesis 1, days 1 through 6, he's setting up order. He's setting up uh, ecosystems and processes like gravity, for example. <laughs> and so we yeah. had a lot of processes that are much better now than they were prior to all the the media engagement. Because, for example, our website, all of those inquiries on the Contact Us page, we had so few before that they were just going to my email. <laughs> yeah. 
And so we had to set up a system oh, wow. where people can book online uh, an appointment. It creates the Zoom link. They pick the time they want. They, they fill out a little form. And so now it's automated into our CRM. And had we not gone through this exercise, we would have been missing out on that all along. So would you say that's the biggest challenge that, y- that y'all were facing right now? Was uh, you weren't really prepared for the the amount of people that came to you? Oh, who who can be prepared for something like that? It was insane. Like, yeah. I was at one uh, media interview with uh, Chad Prather over in Las Colinas at Blaze Media's headquarters. And I was gone for like two hours. And my wife was here forwarding those emails that were coming to my, my inbox. How long does it take to forward an email? Like three seconds. And she, yeah. I had more emails by the time she, I came back than when, when I left. And so that's how fast they were coming in. Um, but thankfully, this, this all has come into waves. And so our last kind of publication that was real big was uh, I was on the Kirk Cameron show. They flew us out to L.A. to film at the TBN studio. Oh, nice. I saw that. Yeah. And so uh, by then, we had all of our processes in place. And so what was great is when that aired, uh, and again, we weren't doing this for for business, but it's been a great marketing tool. <laughs> and so uh, – <laughs> We, like Taylor came in the next day. He's one of our Medicare specialists and he had two or three weeks worth of booked out appointments already on his calendar. Whereas had we not had those processes in place ahead of time, he'd be spending hours and days and weeks trying to get those things on the calendar, you know? That's so good. Yeah. Like, and I know you laughed about you obviously weren't doing it for business, but like I, I was saying a minute ago, the, I, I feel like you're being blessed for the heart that you had to just want to help people. And you didn't, you didn't, there's no way you could have known that doing that was going to bring all the attention that, that it got you. But the byproduct of the generous thing that you did is that you're being blessed with probably more business than you can handle, which is a great thing. And so, you, uh, also, uh, you stuck to your values, man. I, I really uh, commend you for that. I mean, and one of the things that's hard today is being able to, well, to one, have values and then uh, speak those values publicly um, on social media. Uh, we're in such a, a toxic cancel culture uh, age where, you know, any anyone can be canceled and, and deleted from the internet. And the fact that you, you stuck it through is, is really cool. Um, you know, and one of the things, one of the uh, pros to being a business owner entrepreneur is that you have the ability to in a sense, uh, survive. I mean, you know, they could have canceled you and you, your business, you know, could have put your business under, they could have done anything to take you off or whatever the case, give you bad name, whatever. But as a business owner, I feel like you have more, uh, opportunity to, to, to survive that in a sense versus maybe an employee. Cause I've seen people get fired for, you know, some, something like this. If you're an employee, W2 employee could get you fired. Uh, especially yeah. if you're working for a large corporation. So, you know, kudos to you for sticking up for your values and and, uh, and uh, helping people at the same time. Thank you. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I got one more question for you, and then I'm going to kick it back to Christian. We're going to do kind of a lightning round. The last five questions will be uh, just, just short answers. If you could go back and give yourself, 18-year-old Sean, one piece of advice, knowing all that you know now, you know, 16 years later, what would it be? There's a verse in the Bible that says Deuteronomy 8.18, and it says, Remember the Lord your God, for he gives you the ability uh, to produce wealth. And uh, that's 
it then goes on to say something along the lines of so that he can confirm his covenant or so that his purposes are fulfilled. And I think back in the day, 18-year-old Sean thought wealth was to buy jet skis and houses and cars and attract <laughs> women and stuff. And so I think today it's, it's wealth uh, can do those things. But I think the reason God gives us the ability to produce wealth is not to make our lives more comfortable and make us more happy, but to fulfill his purposes. And I wish I had understood that, that back then. I'm sure we all thought that at 18 years, I thought, you know, wealth was making a lot of money, you know, having all those things. But as I've, I pretty much talk about every episode, my idea of wealth now is really time freedom and um, being with my wife and kids, being able to, uh, and not like it from an inner vow standpoint, but afford them the life that I, I wasn't able to have. You know, I didn't have a dad. I mean, my parents were, they split when I was one, so I didn't, I wasn't raised with my dad, but he was someone that, you know, I say this in the nicest way possible. He probably worked too much and that cost him relationships with my two little brothers. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up with them, but I, I know of stories. And again, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm just saying like what I've learned is that my, my wealth comes in the relationships that I have with my good friends, with my wife, with my kids, and being able to sit out in my driveway at 4.14 Eastern time and record a podcast with two friends, you know, because I've, I've been able to uh, hear the Lord about certain things and, and move on those things and take risks, like you talked about earlier, uh, that I knew that the Lord's hand was on and it's paid off. And so here I am. Okay, Christian, if you get to you, we'll do this lightning round. Yeah, let's go ahead and do the lightning round. So if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question. I would uh, probably do it with Winston Churchill. Uh, he had such monumental, decisive leadership during World War II. And I haven't read too many books that mention him, but I would love to learn more about how he was led, how he became a leader uh, so that he could. He was he was so instrumental in the the, the war at the time. I've seen a couple of movies on that guy. He's pretty cool. All right. If you were given $1 million right now, where would that money go? Ooh, I would split it into real estate, crypto, and either buying a business or put it back into the business we have now. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, if you Our man, sp- Christian hates crypto, but I support well, you in your decision. <laughs> I don't hate crypto, but the, peop- it's the people not... who hate crypto are the ones who've lost a lot. <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't lost much, six hundred bucks maybe. But uh, let's see, if you could start a business tomorrow, what would it be besides insurance? You know what? I have an opportunity this next week. I'm having with a business owner who owns a trade business, and I would, we're actually talking about buying it. And so, uh, if I was a business owner starting out today, I would probably probably looking at electrical plumbing or HVAC Uh, there's so much money to be made we in fact we have quite a few clients who do those things Uh, we get to see a lot of behind the scenes as we're being uh, consultive uh, insurance agents and so I think that there's a lot of growth in those areas yeah those trip businesses are big yeah I, I know a few of them and they all seem to drive Lamborghinis and stuff for whatever reason shoot I'm in the wrong business then (laughs) Uh, what are your top three recommended books our listeners need to read? Okay. Um, for those who are just starting on business, I would recommend E-Myth by, I think it's Michael Gerber. Uh, those who are looking to grow their team, there's a book I really loved 
called Traction by Gina Wickman. And it talks specifically about the entrepreneurial operating system in EOS. And as a business leader, uh, creating and establishing rhythms and routines for your business is incredibly important. And the third one, oh, I, I think this would be good is the founder and the force multiplier. It's by a guy named uh, Adam Hergenrother, I think. And he talks about uh, getting an executive assistant uh, because so many times as a business owner, you can be the biggest bottleneck to your business and getting a yep. lot of the admin stuff off your plate through an executive assistant uh, is astronomically important. And I, well, I've had two executive assistants and uh, they're just, they've been amazing. This is something as business owners that if we can kind of implement really the things that Sean has laid out and the heart that he has to, behind helping people, I think it would all, it would serve us all better. So Thank you so much, man, for being on the show. For those listening, we hope you enjoyed this one. We will catch you on the next one. See ya. This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.